The first question we have, Pastor Myers, is, does Satan have power to read what I'm thinking? Does Satan have the power to take me away from God? Okay, uh, the answer to the second question is, uh, yes, the devil definitely has power uh, to take us away from God. Um, and this is why we are called to fight the good fight of faith, because it is indeed a fight. We do wrestle against flesh. I mean, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we're told against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, the answer to the second question is, um, the devil can read what you are thinking because we often give it away with our body language. Um, uh, he cannot read the mind, uh, but just any of you have any children that you can look at them and know what they're thinking? Uh, because of the body language, um, uh, we want to be careful to, to, again, just stress the devil cannot read your thoughts only as you act upon or only as your, um, your actions reveal your tendencies. Then the devil can pretty much know, well, when this happens, this is how he responds, and I know this from, uh, from just history. So the devil cannot read our minds, but he can know what we what he can come very close to understanding what we're thinking by the way that we react. Next question is, how do you figure out God's will for your life? If you know you are walking in God's ways, how do you know which of the several good options is God's will for your life? Okay, that's, uh, that's a pretty difficult question. Anyone, anyone ever been in a situation like that? You got a couple of good options and you don't know which one to choose? Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the other options are from, you know, from Satan. It's not like it's either God or, you know, the red shirt or the white shirt. Which one? Um, when we're trying to find out God's will for our lives, the first thing we should do is go to the word of God. If it's a moral issue, there's going to be a definite answer there. And uh, God has, again, made us free moral agents, uh, which means that we can choose our own color shirts. We can, you, you know, it's things like that where... There is no moral significance. And I believe in a situation where there's no moral issue at hand, uh, then it really boils down to a matter of praying, Lord, you know, show me what is your will and which, which job should I take? Uh, you know, what is your will as to where I'm going to live and, 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 and that kind of thing. And it really boils down to learning to hear the voice of God. Um, Abraham learned to hear the voice of God. And uh, so often we just go through life not having our ear open to the voice of God. You know, if any of you have a friend that when, when, when that person calls, all they need to say is hello, and you already know who it is. Uh, it's because you know the voice. Uh, months and months or years and years of talking, you now know the voice. And so the first thing that we really need to do is to get to know Jesus and to get to know his voice through his word, to get to know his voice as he speaks to us in prayer. And that way he can begin to guide us in ways, um, uh, you know, in those matters that we, that we need his help in. Next question is, Pastor Myers, what do you think is the role music and worship uh, will play at the end of time? Well, um, I believe, again, as I've stated before, that uh, music is uh, derived from the word muse, which means that music definitely can have an effect on the way that we think and the way that we feel, the way that we muse. And so is the devil going to attempt to use music in the last days uh, to try to deceive God's people? 
uh, very much so. Uh, all we need to do is look out on what's on television today, look out at what's going on uh, in terms of rock, rap music, and those kind of things, and see that the fruit of the Spirit is revealing that the devil is using this to indeed bring about uh, a Sodom-like state in society today. Next question is, I know God asks us to forgive those who hurt us. How do you and should you trust someone after they hurt you deeply? And that's a good question. <laughs> um, our, our answer to that question would be real simple. Uh, how do you treat someone just as if they never sinned? <laughs> you know, when God forgives us, does he forgive us with a, uh, a watchful eye? Or does he freely forgive? And that's a challenge of Christianity that's why Christianity is a supernatural uh, religion because it takes supernatural power to live out the true principles of Christianity. So it's against human nature to forgive someone after they've offended you the second and third time. Jesus says 70 times 7. Uh, forgive and trust. And, and, and on the other end, you know, when, we, when God forgives us, we are so, we at least should be so appreciative that we want to show God that he can trust us. And um, we want to show God, God, your forgiveness means so much to me. What can I do? What can I do? And that's where the doing comes in, amen? The doing comes in just as a thank you for what he has done for us. And uh, in the same way when we forgive others, that forgiveness very often will help a person to say, man, I can't believe that you would forgive me after something like this. And that inspires in them a desire to want to show you that, they can, that you can now trust them. So it doesn't always work like that. But you are always to work as a Christian. Amen? Okay, the last question we're going to ask is, could you please give us a starting place beginning... Um, how do you keep a personal Bible study and keep going? And because we must learn to fortify our daily connection with God, help, help me make a daily, how do I make a daily Bible study real? Okay. Well, I will um, take that question and uh, just open up to you some, some principles on how to study the Bible, how to study the Word of God. You know, some of you have come up to me and asked me, how do you study the Bible? How do you get... Uh, you know, meat out of the scriptures to feed your soul. And uh, I want to share just a little about when I came into this church. In fact, let me, let me share with you a, a story that I, you know, have never forget, will never forget. I was in a mall. This is before I became a Christian. I was in a mall in uh, Long Island, New York. Um, I'm sorry, in Queens, New York. And I remember that as I was walking through this mall, I saw like a whole bunch of people that were gathered around this picture. And they were looking at the picture and everybody was going, ooh, ah, look at that, look at that, look at that. And so I looked at this picture and all I saw was a bunch of zigzag lines. And, uh, you know, I began to think to myself, man, these people must be crazy or they're seeing something that I don't see. And so, you know, I stopped and I, and I asked somebody, you know, what is this? And he said, well, it's a, you know, it's a special kind of picture. You have to do something with your eyes to see what 
the picture is. And so, you know, now I'm there and I'm, you know, trying to do things with my eyes and, you know, and nothing's happening. And then suddenly, you know, I don't know what happened, but, but something happened. I, I did something with my, I don't know what it was. And suddenly that picture that was just a bunch of zigzag lines all of a sudden jumped out into the most beautiful 3D picture that I'd ever seen. And when I moved, the picture moved, and it was just amazing. And now I'm there like, ooh, ah, oh, look at that. And, you know, somebody is walking by looking at me now like I'm crazy. Um, the Word of God is much like that. We open it up, and all we see is a bunch of zigzag lines. And we wonder if we can make any sense out of it. But if you do that little thing with your eyes... You know, if you ask the Lord to open your eyes so that you may see, he tells us that we will behold wondrous things out of his law. Amen? And so um, I want to share with you a couple of principles on how to begin to study the Bible for yourself. One of the things I want to start with is letting you know, how do I look at the Bible? How you look at the Bible will depend or will determine how much you get from the Bible. Now, how many of you like the ocean? Okay, the ocean is beautiful from a distance. And uh, when you get close upon the ocean, you're standing right there on the sands of the sea, and you're looking at that ocean, it's even more beautiful. It's just, wow, look at this, look at the beauty that's here. But, but w- if you were to get into the water, and you're looking around in the water now, you're looking, you're going, man, this is really beautiful. But if you go underneath the surface, you're going to see some really neat things but then if you go all if you go deep sea that's where you're going to find all the real beauty amen and and a lot of times we look at the word from a distance and we say man isn't it pretty it's nice uh, uh, this is beautiful but but if we open the bible and it only stops here for us you know this deep one inch guess how much you're going to get out of this bible an inch. But if you see this as the opening to, as it were, and I'm going to use the word an abyss in a good way. Is that okay? An abyss of the knowledge of God. If you view this book as opening the door to an abyss of the knowledge of God, guess what? You have now opened and expanded your capacity to receive. Does that make sense? In other words, you come to the word expecting to find deep, 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 deep treasures and you will find those deep, deep, deep treasures. Amen? Um, if I could sum it, it, sum it up in one word and we're going to begin to look at some Bible principles, I would say to you, this is what I, I did when I began to study the Bible. You know, I was a hip-hop artist. And as a hip-hop artist, you know, in the hip-hop realm, if someone said something one way and you were to come behind them, you could not say the same thing the same way. That's just how it worked. You had to be creative. As a poet, as an artist, you had to be creative. And when I became a Christian and began to study the Bible, I began to apply some of those uh, uh, same desires and same principles to the Word of God. I said, Lord... Help me to see the same thing in a very creative way. I don't even think I prayed that. It was just how my mind was working. So I would read things like, you know, the devil, I mean, the the, the Satan's tail casts a third of the stars of heaven. And immediately I'm going, hey, wait a minute, there's stars in Hollywood. 
and uh, those stars exalt themselves just like these stars which were in heaven exalted themselves above the law of God. And so, <gasps> thinking outside the box, but yet remaining inside the box. Is that okay? Do you get that? Think outside the box, inside the box. In other words, God has given us, blessed us all with creativity. All of us have creativity. Don't come up with things that are not in the word of God. Amen? But yet, God says that we can find, we can present old truths in new ways. And that's what keeps the word of God refreshing. You know, if everyone got up after me and said the same thing, you know, every pastor said the same thing the same way, after a while you would say, well, I've heard this before. When Jesus came on the scene, he presented old truths in what? A new way. So let's learn to think outside the box, inside the box. Okay, I'm going to give you an example. How many of you ever heard of New Start? New Start, okay? Um, what is New Start? What are the principles of New Start? N equals what? Nutrition. E equals exercise. W, S, T, A, R, T, trust in God. Now we say that those are the principles for good what? Health. Now, I'm not going to give this to you, but do you realize that those same New Start principles are principles that help us to study the Bible? Right? So, so help me out. N. Somebody give me a verse. Bread of life. Man shall not live by what? Bread alone, but by... Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. E. Exercise. Finishing the race. Exercise thyself unto what? Godliness. W. Okay, are, are you seeing this? And you can go straight down the list and find that these same principles, you new start, new start, new start, but these same principles, beloved, when you open up the word of God, it is like the water of life. Amen? Not only should we study just to study, we should study and exercise those things that we are learning from the word. Amen? And as you look through and go through this, this acronym, you will find that all those principles apply in a spiritual context as well. So we want to think outside the box where? Inside the box. There are principles that govern the word of God. And, and this is what I love about the Bible, is that there are laws to the Bible. Did you know that? Not just the Ten Commandments. There are laws that, that, that God has put in his word that help us to learn how to study the Bible and how not to come up with things that are not found in the Bible. One of those principles, one of those laws is what I call the principle of nothing new, only more detail. The principle of what? Nothing new, only more detail. And what that principle states is that in the Bible, after the first mention of something, there is nothing new, only more detail. 
after the first prophecy of the Bible is given, and what is the first prophecy of the Bible anyway? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, which says that there would be enmity between Christ and who? And the serpent. And so from that point in time, from Genesis 3.15 on through the rest of the Bible, the whole Bible is simply an unfolding of that war between who? Jesus and the serpent. So now we've just condensed the whole punchline of the Bible. The whole theme of the Bible is this controversy between Christ and between Satan. And it culminates with the New Testament where Jesus is seen bruising the head of the serpent. Where? At the cross. Now what's the first prophecy in the New Testament? Who can tell me? It's Matthew chapter 1 verse 20. One, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he will what? Save his people from their sin. Now, what do we know then? What's going to happen in the rest of the New Testament? All the New Testament is simply an unfolding of that first prophecy. How Jesus will do what? Save his people from their sins. It's the same thing with the book of Daniel. The very first prophecy in the book of Daniel is found in Daniel chapter what? Chapter 2. And if you understand correctly the very first prophecy of the book of Daniel, as you go through the rest of the book of Daniel, you know that there is nothing new introduced in the book of Daniel, only more detail. Same with the book of Revelation. The very first prophecy in the book of Revelation is the prophecy of the seven churches. After the seven churches are introduced, if you rightly understand that, you understand that there is nothing new introduced in the whole book of Revelation, only more what? Detail. So this is a principle of Bible study that we should understand. Here's another principle that I'd like to, uh, I'd like to uh, uh, share with you. And I call it the principle of uh, the second man. And this is, this, I, this, this, is, I, this is exciting. The principle of the second man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the second man. How many of you ever read that before? Adam was the first man. And Jesus is the second man. He is the second Adam. And the name Adam means what? Means man. And so if you look at that principle that Jesus is the second man, and you begin to apply this in Scripture, you will begin to understand that as Jesus was the second Adam, so he was also the second Abel. Right? How is he the second Abel? Okay, Abel was killed by his brother. Jesus Christ came, and because his sacrifice was accepted, but theirs was what? Was not. He too was put to death by his, by his brethren. Not only is Jesus Christ the second Abel, uh, let's think about Abraham. Is Jesus Christ the second Abraham? 
What, what happened with Abraham? The Bible says that Abraham was sent out into a strange land. Was Jesus sent out into a strange land? Yes. Just like Abraham, in fact, the very steps that Abraham takes, Jesus comes in and does in perfection. How about this? Here's a good one. David. Was Jesus the second David? You know, think about it. David, in the beginning of his story, David is seen um, taking care of his father's sheep. And while he's taking care of his father's sheep, the Bible says a lion and a bear rose up and attacked the sheep. And David did what? He slew the lion and the bear. Very shortly after, David's father sends him out to check on his brothers who are in the middle of a fight with a giant named Goliath. They, when he gets there, they say, what are you doing here? We don't want you here. Was Jesus at any time ever watching his, fa- his father's sheep in his father's house? Yeah. Where? In heaven. Who was the lion that rose up? Lucifer and his angels. And Jesus cast them out of heaven and shortly after... His father sends him to go check on his who? On his brothers. And what do they say when he gets there? What are you doing here? This is not, what are, we've got it under control. And by the way, David slays the giant by giving him a bruise to his head. So Jesus gave Lucifer a bruise to his head. Okay, one more. How about Samson? Is Jesus the second Samson? No, pastor, he's not the second Samson. (laughs) Samson is betrayed by the woman that he loves. His eyes are taken out. He is bound. He is beaten and then he is taken and placed between two pillars. The Bible says that Samson put his hands on those pillars and then it actually says he bowed his head. It actually says he bowed his head and pushed. And when he died... There was a great rumbling. And he slew more in his death than he did when he was alive. Jesus was betrayed by the woman that he loved, the church. He is blindfolded and beaten and then hung between two thieves. The Bible says that he bowed his head and exhaled the ghost. (laughs) And we might say that he pushed, and when he pushed, there was a great earthquake. And by the way, Samson, the Bible says that uh, when Samson pushed, the temple of Dagon fell. When Jesus pushed, the temple of the dragon, Golgotha, the place of the skull, broke an earthquake. 
And the Bible says, tells us that Jesus saved more in his death than he did in his, in his life. And so we can go on and on and, and, and begin to find these various principles that let us see how opening the Word of God, how studying the Word of God can be such an exciting thing. Let me share with you, I'm writing a manuscript right now called The Art of War. And uh, some of those principles I've shared with you today, but I haven't shared all of them. Uh, it's quite extensive. And it's amazing, beloved, because what, what I did with this manuscript was I took all the elements of, uh, um, you know, earthly warriors. So we're talking about martial arts. We're talking about the military. We're talking about all the various systems of fighting. And you understand that these various systems operate on principles. And, and I said, let me go look at the Word of God and see, does the Word of God have principles that dictate and guide how we should fight the good fight of faith? And what do you think? Yeah. Now, now amazingly enough, in every area you think of, you can think of, in science, in nature, whatever it may be, there are principles of war. So I said, okay, hmm, let me see. I wonder if there are any principles of war that we can learn from nature and you know what it's interesting the bible talks about nature in the use of war in the bible there's lightning there's fire there's snow any of you read that verse in Job where god says have you considered the weapons i have stored in the snow treasured up against the day of wrath what is he talking? Is he just talking about hail? Or is there something that we can learn from observing the snow as it is revealed in the word of God? Well, I'll tell you one thing. How many of you would like to be white as snow? Yeah, that's God teaches us out of the very elements, the sun, the moon, the stars. He says certain things in his word that as we begin to think outside the box, but yet inside the box... We begin to see and learn powerful things. What about the animals? How many of you remember lion? We talked about the lion. We talked about the lamb. We talked about the crouching tiger and the hidden dragon. Remember that? Beloved, in the Bible, the, the, it, it lays out in terms of warfare, even down to the very animals of Scripture. The Bible talks about the ant. Do you realize that in studying the ant, you can learn lessons on how to fight the good fight of faith? We've got to think, help me say it, outside the box, inside the box. There's also uh, uh, the principles of what I like to call elemental warfare or even time zones. You know, as I say this stuff, you're going, time zones? Do you know there are time zones for warriors? And depending on what time zone you're in will reveal why your fight is, is either good or bad. Okay, let me tell you, for example, there is the yearly time zone. A yearly warrior. You know what a yearly warrior does? He comes to church on Christmas and Thanksgiving. That's the yearly time zone. You don't want to be fighting in the yearly time zone because then you will like, why am I keep getting beat up? Well, because your war is in the, is in the yearly, right? But then there's the monthly time zone, and the monthly time zone is, you know, those who come to church every now and then. It's more than yearly, but yes, less than weekly. 
And then you've got the weekly time zone. And that is, we, you know, those who come to church every Sabbath and say, see, I'm here. But let me ask you, is that the time zone that we want to be found in? No. We get down to the daily time zone and that's where we want to be. Amen. And I say even more than that, we want to get down to the moment by moment walk with Jesus Christ. So as you look at yourself, you can ask, what time zone am I in? You see, you're thinking outside the box. Where? Inside the box. Don't come up with something that's crazy and and, and not found in the scripture. But beloved, allow God to use your creative mind. You know, I I remember when when I was thinking about, did you know that the gospel is found in the seasons? You know, winter or fall, winter, spring, summer. You know why fall is called fall? Let me ask you, what do you think was the first change of season? Mm-hmm. Fall. How do we know that fall was the first change of season? Huh? What happens in fall? <laughs> the leaves fall. What, what, what did the falling of the leaves symbolize? The first leaf that fell. What had happened? Adam had just sinned. So fall really represents the fall of mankind. And after fall, what do you have? That's right. From from the fall of mankind, you now have the coldness of death. But beloved, God doesn't leave us in the coldness of death because he sends, Jesus springs forth on the scene. Amen? That new life, that new growth, beloved, and he wants to usher us into an eternal summer. Anybody like summertime? You know, it's when school is out, school is over. Beloved, the great summertime is when we graduate from this world. Amen? And Jesus comes and we stand on that sea of glass and throw up our graduation crowns. Amen. But beloved, we want to learn how to think Outside the box, inside the box. You know, there's, very, there's a lot of significance in Bible names, and I don't have time to go over this now, but if you look in Genesis chapter 5, you will see a, a, a list of Bible names that are given, and those Bible names all mean something. And when you take those Bible names and lay them out in order, they actually make up a sentence of salvation. I wish I had time to show it to you now, but I don't. How many of you heard that before? Have seen it before? Amen. Now let me tell you another one. When we're studying symbols in the sanctuary, and I didn't even bring this with me, I wish I did. But if you were to go to uh, Exodus chapter uh, 25, Exodus chapter 25, and look at the list of articles that are laid out for the building of the sanctuary. In the very order, in fact, let me see if I can do this. Exodus 25, I know I can't, so I don't know why I'm even turning here. Exodus 25, it says, verse uh, verse 3, This is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold, silver, and brass, and blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine linen, and goat's hair. Now, I'm just going to do the first verse, verse number 3. What does gold represent? Faith. What does silver represent? According to Psalms chapter 12, the word of the Lord is like 
silver tried seven times. What does brass represent? Brass represents in a negative sense obstinance, and in a positive sense, it means to be, uh, a, a, it means to be firm for Christ. Okay? To be impenetrable. To be steadfast. So now, oh, oh, let me give you one more. Uh, uh, let's see, where are we? Blue. What does blue represent? What does blue represent? The law or what? Obedience. Amen? And what does purple represent? Royalty. Okay, now listen to this. When you put on those glasses that help you to see God's word magnified, here's the message. Hear the word of the Lord. Be steadfast and obey. And I will make you kings. And I'm just going to stop right there. But beloved, if you go down this whole list, you will find just like Genesis chapter 5, the entire gospel message in the very order of the sanctuary furniture or the sanctuary building blocks that God gives. And it's amazing. So you got a whole bunch of homework to do when you go home. Get, 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 that, get that Bible out. Get that concordance out. And begin to look up what these things mean. And beloved, let me tell you, it is powerful when you begin to realize that the Word of God is a living book. It is a book that we have no need to... Oh, this is boring. No. Don't let the devil tell you that this book is boring. Amen? And then, beloved, we can look at Bible numbers. That's another principle. Bible numbers. Anyone ever studied Bible numbers? It's beautiful when you look at the principles, when you look at the, the, the concept of Bible numbers, and I'll just mention one. The number three in the Bible represents a separation of no life and new life. It was on day three that vegetation began to spring forth on the earth. Interestingly enough, it is on day three that Jesus himself springs forth from the earth. Remember that? If you look at all the threes in the scripture, how many of you remember the story of the butler and the baker? What day was it that, they were, that there was a separation between life and no life, or life and death? It was on day three. Can you think of any, any other three stories that deal with life and death? Jonah? Who else? What else? Say again. Jesus, of course. Beloved, you go through... In fact... The Bible says that Abraham, when he was bringing his son to be sacrificed, the Bible says on the third day he looked up and saw the place where his son was to be sacrificed. So you can go through the numbers, 3, 7, 12, and you can find, if you, if you use the principles, you will find the word of God exploding into life, just jumping into life. And let me tell you, Hollywood is doing everything it can to make this book boring to you. To just, not, to just dull our, our concept, our perception. And beloved, the Bible says that spiritual things are spiritually, what? Discerned. When God opens our eyes, we will, be, we will truly behold wondrous things out of his law. Let me close with an illustration of the sanctuary. How many of you can see the sanctuary in your mind right now? Raise your hand so I can... 
All right, very good. You know the picture of the sanctuary. And I'm just going to ask you to imagine that sanctuary uh, from a bird's eye view with the entrance of the sanctuary right here, okay? And then the most holy place is where? Here. Holy place is here. Outer court is here. And the gate is here. Now, in that sanctuary, you had six articles of furniture. What did you have? What's the first thing you had? You had the... Altar of sacrifice, and then you had the laver, and then you go up into the holy place, and you had what? The seven-branch candlestick, what else? Table of showbread, and the altar of incense, and then you go into the most holy place, and you have what? The Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you can see this in your mind, beloved, you will look at that, those articles of furniture, and you will notice that the way in which they're placed actually forms the shape of a cross. Anybody ever see that? You trace it out, and it's actually the shape of a cross. And here's what's even more beautiful about it, is that as you look at the very places in which, in which the articles of furniture are set up, Jesus Christ received a wound in each one of those places. One in the right hand, one in the left hand, a crown of thorns on his head, Nails in his feet and pierced in his side. And what's amazing, beloved, is, is that that altar of, of uh, that laver, which represented uh, uh, washing, the priest would go and they would wash their hands at that laver, and sometimes either with dust or blood, the water would mingle. And the Bible says when Jesus was pierced in the side, out came blood and water. Here's something even more amazing. The sanctuary actually points out the history of the life of Jesus. Because you remember that Jesus was born where? In a what? In a manger among animals. Where are the animals in the sanctuary? They're brought to the, art, to the altar of sacrifice. Jesus was born ready to, ready to die. And then at the age of 30, we find Jesus at the laver, which represents washing or baptism. Jesus is baptized. And then the Bible says that Jesus was led up into the wilderness. And if we would go up from the laver, where do we get to? The holy place. How many times was Jesus tempted in the wilderness? Three times. How many articles of furniture... In the holy place. Three. What was Jesus' first temptation? Turn this stone into what? <laughs> into bread. Where was the devil tempting Jesus? At the table of showbread. And then the next temptation was, okay, okay, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down and offer up prayer. To, Jesus, to, to your father. Where was he tempting Jesus? At the altar of incense, which represents prayer. And finally he said, okay, okay, listen, I know you want your candlestick that is set on a hill. I know that's what you've come here for. If you just bow down, I will give you your seven-branch candlestick. You don't need to die. Do you think Satan was aware of the sanctuary? <laughs> process of salvation 
Yes, indeed, beloved, Jesus overcame all those things and then went on to magnify the law of God. Do you know that God even led the children of Israel out of captivity through the sanctuary? What's the first thing he told them to do? Sacrifice a what? A lamb. Where does that take place? At the altar of what? Altar of sacrifice. Very good. And then you find in Exodus 12 that Jesus now leads them over the Red Sea. What is that? That's the labor. And then when they get to the other side, Jesus now says, okay, I'm going to give you your first test, Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to rain manna down and see if you're going to keep the Sabbath. Table of showbread. And then in Exodus 17 and 18, I believe it's, no, actually Exodus 19, uh, God now says, I am going to anoint you and you are now officially my holy nation, my royal priesthood. That's the seven branch candlestick. A city set on the hill cannot be hid. But then Moses said, okay, guys, we're about to meet with God. You need to go and prepare yourself for three days and be in serious prayer. What is that? The altar of incense. And then in Exodus 20, what do you have? The most holy place. The Ten Commandments of God. Okay, beloved, so I can keep you here for, you know, another hour and just share with you these various principles. But I want to stress to you and I want to, I just want to give you an example. I just want to give you an example of how it is we can open the Word of God, think outside the box, Where? inside the box we're not just studying just to say oh hey look at what i know but we're studying because god wants to reveal to us deeper and deeper truths so that we can have something to share with the world amen amen let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much for speaking lord for opening your word to us father help us help us to 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 desire to study your word like never before that our eyes may be open, that we may behold wondrous things out of your book. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.